Welcome to the Eat Out podcast, an extension of our Facebook communities, bringing together food lovers from all over Spain and beyond to share the best places to eat and drink. I'm Valentina, your host, and I cannot wait for you to listen to what I have in store. I hope you're not hungry. In this season's episodes, I will be talking to our community members and business owners in Madrid about who they are, why they have a passion for food, and how they are coping during the coronavirus outbreak and much more. On today's episode, I'm joined by Matt Lockney, owner of the James Joyce Irish Pub, bringing a little piece of Ireland to Madrid through its traditional home-cooked dishes, welcoming environment and relaxed atmosphere. Find out how he went from working on a campsite in Spain as a teenager to being the only native owner of an Irish pub in the capital. Listen to what he has to say about food and drink trends over the years, why people are drawn to visiting pubs and his plans for reopening their doors to customers again. Hello, Matt. Good evening, young lady. How are you? I'm very good. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the James Joyce pub. Well, anyone that knows me, my name is uh, Matt Lockney and I'm originally from Dublin. I'm in Madrid since 2006. I've had the pub since 2006. Um, many, many years ago, back in the late 80s, I came to Spain to work as a teenager in a campsite for two summers. So that's why I sort of fell in love with Spain initially and north of Barcelona in a place called La Scala. So that was my first exposure to Spain. And it's just grown from there. And then when I came to Madrid initially, I just fell in love with the place. You know, Madrid, for me, it's unlike so many other cities because it is a city, but it's as if it's all small villages just stuck together. So if you live in Malasaña or if you live in Barrio de la Latina or you live in Lavapiés, every barrio has its heart. And really, you don't really need to leave it because there's so much available there's everything you could look for and particularly in the last say 10 years the cross-section of food that you you have access to has it's changed so much I mean don't get me wrong I love Spanish food I absolutely adore it I mean probably my favorite food would be the simple things like pimientos de padron love those um a good vantresca salad with tomato um not holding back on the rock salt or the uh, olive oil it's so different, you know, a thousand odd kilometers from Dublin and it's another world. And it's just a fantastic city. It's the community feel and that community feel has escalated in the last nine weeks. And what's kept me sane is the clapping at eight o'clock every evening. Yeah, I so look forward to it and waving to the neighbors and saying hi and small little things. And like everyone, you've got good days and bad days and it it's comes in waves as well. There's a community feel, which I love about Madrid and the friends that I've made. Um, the team in the pub are absolutely awesome. It's like the United Nations in the pub. <laughs> you know, we're from England, Ireland, Wales. Um, you've got friends. French, Romanians, Spanish, Peru. It's, it's just incredible. Very diverse team. Yeah, it is. And it's it's great. Um, it enriches you as a person. You get to understand, appreciate and, and other cultures and just learning about things and food or general customs of different countries. And it's dynamic. And then, of course, you've got an integral part of, of the pub, obviously, is the team, but are is the cross-section of people that frequent the pub on a many, many, we consider them would be great friends of the pub because they come in all the time and there's great banter and they're from Spain, Italy, France, the UK, Ireland, you know, you name it. Um, Madrid's a melting pot. The other day I made, I'm not a very good cook at all. I specialize in burning stuff, (laughs) but I made scones. 
Oh, very nice. So I had to make a load of scones because that's what the uh, recipe said. So I ended up with about 16 or 17 scones. So I just basically went and put them in tinfoil and a bag and just and left them on the doorknobs of, of neighbours. Oh, that's lovely. And one of the neighbours came out and herself and her partner from Bristol. And it's hilarious. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. And for the 2nd of May, around Madrid, they put up flags and they were hanging flags. And there's an Irish flag. There was a Scottish flag, Spanish flag, Mexican flag, South African flag. Um, and obviously, these are all people that live along that road. Yeah, I mean, Madrid is so international. It's yeah. crazy to think how many different nationalities are here. And I think that's yeah. really representative through the cuisine here. If you go down any given street, there's restaurants from all over the world, which I love about this city. Exactly. The other day, we we're talking about kebabs and falafels as well. And like, it's wonderful. The array of cuisine is probably quite, I mean, I haven't lived in Ireland since 1995. And, you know, when I go home, it's just to really see a couple of friends and family. But there isn't that cross section in Dublin. I don't think there is. So tell us a little bit about the story of you owning the pub. Yeah, I, it was a family It was a family business that I bought okay. and developed it with the team. And my general manager, Liam, and one of my other managers, Saulo. And, you know, I've got out that these people have been, parcel have been the backbone of the pub, along with so many other people, you know, so many other members of the team. That's what the pub is. It's, it's the people that make it, you know. It's not the furniture and fixtures and equipment. It's the people. That's what I've been so fortunate about in the pub it's been just an amazing experience I mean obviously at the moment it's closed like so many other locations and we're just looking forward to being able to open again obviously we're going to be making changes there are going to be lots of changes that are going to come about and hopefully we can learn from it as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people now with being inside for so long at the beginning, people all up for cooking and trying new things. And I think a lot of people have got to the end of that point now and they're like, okay, I don't want to cook anymore. I want the food to be cooked for me. And that is why we go out to restaurants because we go there for the experience to be around a different atmosphere. And I think that's why a lot of people like to come to places like the James Joyce. The great thing about Madrid is that you can go out for a meal and the most important thing is catching up with friends and and spending time with friends and sitting around and laughing and just catching up and having quality time. Zoom and WhatsApp video and all these have done their best for people to keep in contact. But it's nothing like being in close proximity to your friends. That's why for me, the clapping every evening in homage to everybody who's doing their damnedest for us all is so important to me. I mean, I really, really look forward to that every evening. I really do. Um, apart from my partner, who's been amazing, that's the other thing. And friends, the other that, that's kept me sane. I think we're all looking forward to just to spend time again together. I think that's what people are craving more than ever. And I don't think we realise the importance of being in each other's physical company before. We liked it. I mean, Madrid is a very social place. In fact, the whole of Spain is. And to go out for a caña and a tapa, like that's something people do every single day. And the fact that most of us actually have not been able to do that. And as you said, a lot of people are living by themselves. So, you know, that's even harder because you haven't got somebody else in the house. Hopefully, once we move to whatever phase is next and places can start to open, albeit with restrictions, have you thought about a plan or any kind of ideas? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll open in phase three. It's not viable, really, for us to open in phase two. But, you know, I've ordered masks for for the team, visors, the cleaning products, the hand gels. We'll have dispensers apart from 
tables will have them on the walls initially as well we welcomed in allocated an area because there'll be social distancing to two meters we're very fortunate that we've got a terrace as well that we can use um hub has got great ventilation so that's brilliant as well in terms of circulating air it's a question of preparedness it's a question of training understanding what's needed in terms of keeping the team safe and uh, the people that come into the pub safe and constantly checking everything the whole time and making people feel safe making yourself feel safe at home making your customers feel safe when they come in so that they they feel confident that they're being yeah. looked after absolutely um, not only doing what's required, but going beyond that. I think that's really important to highlight to people that restaurants and any food and drink industry business has has got a long way ahead of them with adapting to the regulations, no matter which country you're in. Some may have different rules and regulations to others, but it's a huge process of getting the right cleaning materials, the right yep. distancing and keeping that up. We're going to go from a point where none of us have been really allowed out with can now go and walk a little bit but once things start to open I think that people are going to be eager to go out somewhere with different scenery first of all because they've been in their house for so long yeah and if we can meet up with other people so it's going to be a test to see how busy it's going to get and obviously for restaurants and cafes and bars you're only going to be allowed to let in a certain amount of people yeah absolutely depending on what they agree do you think there's going to be a reservation type process We'll have a reservation. We're in the process of developing an app at the moment, and that will be launched before we open. And people will be able to reserve tables to come in for lunch or for dinner or for whatever for the sporting events that will be on. And when people come in to sit down, the table and chairs and everything will have been thoroughly cleaned. When they leave before somebody else sits down, they'll be thoroughly cleaned again, and we'll be on top of it. Join this app or this thing called FuerzaBar.es which people can buy vouchers yep. time and they can be used when we open back up. That's good to know. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to support your favourite places right now in any way that you can. People have been amazing, you know, the messages of support and support we've got. It's humbling and it's heartwarming. It's really magnificent. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I think a lot of the small Spanish bars, there are a lot of them in the city. As much as this is an awful time, this is a great opportunity for them to have a look at their social presence, if they have any, and start to think about, you know, getting online, maybe setting up delivery or having menus available. So when we can go out, with all the choice that we've got, it's going to be so difficult for people to choose where to go first. Yeah. Through our app, people will be able to order, for example, their menu del dia. There'll be promotions on the app as well. At other times, a voucher or like what we've done in the past, you buy X amount of menu del dia and you get the next one for free. I love those type programs. It's something that hasn't, I guess, caught on in Madrid or I haven't seen it at many places where you get a stamp every time you come in. I think that's really great in keeping customers loyal. Absolutely, an acknowledgement. And and it's it's kind of a thank you as well because they've been loyal. That's we're very fortunate. We've had a huge number of loyal friends to the pub that have been coming in, you know, for years for different events and, and for different reasons, whether it's, you know, for sports or for music, family reunion, whatever. You know, people come back and it's been fantastic. They've been so loyal. And really, it's just incredible. The pub is, for me, it's really important that we're part of the community. 
you know, that, that's why one of the reasons we sponsored the Madrid Harps, you know, the Gaelic Athletic Association. That's important for us to be able to give back and to support the local community. And that's why some of the products, the beers we sell, for example, are, are locally brewed beers, not just the ones we know from back home or from wherever, you know. There is one thing, though, that I love about the James Joyce pub, and I love that you have Copperberg on tap. Cider is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's funny, and we also work with another company called The Good Cider, which is a small one. Mm, like that one too. Um, they even have non-alcoholic. Yes. You'd actually never know. No, you don't. And that's what I love about it. And sometimes I don't want to have an alcoholic drink because for those people that are listening, and I'm sure you would agree, when you are living in Madrid, your alcohol intake drastically goes up and it just becomes part of daily life. You have a drink with lunch or a drink with dinner. It's a different way of drinking. Yeah. And even though you're not necessarily drinking a lot If you're having one a day, it gets addictive and you start to see your body change from all the amazing food and drink. But sometimes you you want to have that taste, but not necessarily side effects because some people get affected differently to others. No, and that's why, you know, when you go out for lunch or particularly go out for dinner, it's not just an hour and a half or two hours, it's all night. You're really catching up with friends and family, particularly when you go out for dinner because it's such a social event the food is important, but it's certainly almost, I would say, secondary to the time you're spending with friends or family. My next question then is, yeah. what is it about a pub atmosphere that people are drawn to and come back time after time? The informal atmosphere, um, the way that there is interaction between the team and people that come in, the banter. Um, people let their guard down in a pub and it's more conducive to talking to a perfect stranger and I think when you go into a pub your mindset is maybe maybe a little bit different it's more open-minded but it just when you come into the James Joyce it's almost like a little bit a bit of Ireland in Madrid and that's what we try to to show that we are a little bit of as they say las islas in Madrid and that comes down to the team really it's the interactions it's the crack that we have with people and in a relaxed chilled out informal atmosphere i love that it's great to walk into somewhere and feel relaxed as soon as you go in because the last thing you want is to go somewhere where you're potentially going to spend a couple of hours and just not feel like you want to be there which there are definitely lots of places that feel like that for me and everyone is going to feel different but i do agree with you in pubs especially being from england where pubs are huge being here in madrid and not being able to maybe go back to the uk as often as i I would like it is nice to go somewhere to get an environment that kind of emulates almost home as close as possible and that's what i love that's why for example we've done and we do the sunday roast because it's a little the reminder of home you know even down to having you know with your roast beef your your the horseradish you know if i was to have a roast beef sandwich it's almost an excuse just eat horseradish to be brutally honest yeah you can't really just have a horseradish sandwich so you have to put something else in it (laughs) you know but i would quite happily do that but yeah it's um home comforts things that you you miss as well definitely or for spaniards something that they've experienced when they've been away either living away or being on holiday and they enjoyed it and they just want to try it again and have it again yeah the sunday roasts are typical or for example the fish and chips i mean we do our own fish and chips you know from start to finish right down to the, you know the tartar sauce and the mushy peas and these are things that aren't the norm in madrid and things that people truly miss um they, they're inconsequential but they are important as well 
like a good cup of tea. Exactly, a good cup of tea. There's just so many different things that we could talk about, about things that I miss, but you're right, it, it's those small little things. Now let's talk about your roast dinner because roast dinners have been a huge topic, especially in the out Madrid and the in Madrid. People are trying to do it at home. And we were speaking in a previous podcast with Tamara from Mazel Bagels. And a lot of the time people don't have ovens at home. It's not very common yeah. in Spain. So people are looking to get dishes that they may not be able to make at home out. Or they don't feel confident about making at home. Yeah. I mean, a roast dinner, it does involve a lot of components and I we were discussing this the other day, me and my husband, that it's all about timekeeping. It's not about actually being able to cook it. It's knowing how long things take to cook. Yep, and getting it, and it all has to come together at the right time. Exactly, and I've kind of got it right here, but it just doesn't compare to someone else cooking it for you. Yeah, I know. And people are really craving that right now. And that's what people you know, love to come in on a Sunday for, you know, whether it's roast beef or, you know, roast chicken, vegetarian nut roast as well. Um, Obviously, the most popular is the roast beef with all the trimmings and the Yorkshire pudding and the horseradish. Um, it's just something that people love. It sort of brings them back home for a while. You know, that's why, for example, we make our own Irish bread as well. And, you know, scones with cream and strawberries. All these small things are, are things that people really miss. Whether you lived away and you love them and you've come back, it's something that differentiates us from a local Spanish bar. So aside to the roast dinners and the fish and chips, what other things can people expect to find on your menu when they come in? We make our own homemade sausages. Yeah, they're, oh God, unbelievable. (laughs) You know, the salads, the salmon. We have, you know, a charcuterie board as well. Um, There's a whole array of our Caesar salad with romaine lettuce and corn-fed chicken. Um, We try to have a good cross-section of meat and vegetarian dishes, whether it be, you know, spicy bean chili or vegetarian sausages as well. People love our chicken wings. Who doesn't love chicken wings? I know. They're too easy to go down. And then, you know, even down to our burgers, we make our own burgers. We don't buy them in. We actually make them ourselves, um, which I think is important. And the team in the kitchen are great, dedicated and loyal bunch of people. And they really love to do things to the best of their capabilities. Um, you're trying to draw people in with food offerings that they're not particularly going to find in anywhere else. You know, salmon fish cakes and, and our nachos as well. When you get a fish and chips in the pub, we hope it's, it's exactly like you would get at home, really effectively made to order. And that's the great thing about it. It's um, home-cooked, homemade food that is maybe a little bit different. And a lot of people that would be listening to your podcast are regulars. Mm-hmm. Or people looking to come to visit Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've been in Madrid for 14 years Have you seen any food and drink trends in terms of the restaurants that have come and gone in those years? Yeah. What kind of trends have you seen? First one that comes to mind, gin and tonics. Years ago, remember coming here first and Ballantines and J&B were the big whiskies. And then the rum revolution happened. And then it was gin. Um, All of a sudden, Hendrix went from nothing to everywhere, as an example. You've got the Puerto de Indias. You've got all of these different flavored gins now and cocktails as well. The team in the pub make absolutely amazing cocktails. 
They love making them. Yeah. And they're fantastic at making them. And they're a great refreshing drink to have. What I've noticed though here, which is very different to where else I've been, is a lot of people have a gin and tonic after dinner. Yeah. It's not something they have with the dinner, which I would be more accustomed to. They have their wine or beer or whatever they're having with their meal. And then after they have this like after dinner drink and it's a gin and tonic in this huge balloon glass, lots of ice. Yeah. And yeah, it's just... All it's missing is a little fish. Yes. <laughs> I love those glasses. I think they're great. Yeah, no, they're lovely. And even in the supermarkets now, you can get a glass and you get a bottle. And sometimes it's not that much more than actually buying the bottle on its own. Being here in Madrid for so long, you've seen a lot of changes. Is there any particular cuisine or dish that you like that Madrid is really missing? I asked this question in, in the Madrid community a while ago and people were very vocal on what they missed or they couldn't find. Is there anything that you wished you could get here in a restaurant or maybe even in, in a supermarket that you haven't been able to get your hands on for a long time? Almond flour. I mean, you can oh. find it, but it is obviously, it's quite difficult to find. And coconut flour apparently as well. Almond flour, I found it in a little shop called Acre. That isn't, it's only a couple of minutes from, from where I live. But in that respect, I, what do I miss? Um, crisps, those kind of things. The small things that you sometimes just fancy one day and your local place doesn't necessarily have them or they have a different version that's not quite Absolutely. what you're used to. It sounds stupid, but Irish butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the salt content in it. Yeah. Batch bread. That, you know, it's those small things that I miss. And um, when I do go home, it's quite funny that um, I buy them. Yeah, I stock up when I go home. I go there with an empty suitcase and I just come back with all these random food items. My husband thinks I'm crazy. But yeah, but if you miss something, you miss something. But right now, I'm really missing stuffing, the packet mix <sighs> stuffing. Paxo. Paxo. So I've currently got a box on its way. My brother went out and bought lots of boxes of Paxo stuffing that hopefully should arrive soon. Because even though it sounds pretty easy to make, it's breadcrumbs with sage and some onion. Buying sage is really difficult here. Yeah. Even dried sage, especially when I can only go one kilometer right now yeah. to, to get stuff. So sometimes, even though I love making fresh food and I believe that, you know, sometimes putting packet mixes or microwavable meals is not the right way to go. But sometimes you just have to open the packet, fill it with hot water, bit of butter, and hey presto, you've got great stuffing. No, exactly. It's one of the things that was really difficult to find here years ago was uh, Heinz baked beans. Yes. Now you can find them in most supermarkets. Yeah, just small things like that. It's your cheddar. Yes, I'm having a big issue with cheddar right now because I'm trying to find it. And the one that I like is sold out, so I've had to buy another one. And yeah. I've been really getting into cheese and pickle sandwiches with the Branston pickle. Oh. Yeah. Once you get into that phase of missing those little things from home, you can't get out of it. And then you try and like make versions of it based on what you've got. And sometimes yeah. it can work. Yeah, sometimes it does work. Yeah. Other times it's uh, an epic fail. But yeah, <laughs> but it's only now and again. I mean, this is, I love just Spanish food yes, in general. It's awesome. Oh, my God. And I wouldn't eat very much red meat, but it's just awesome. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, if you were a vegetarian or a vegan, the, the selection has just exploded in the last few years. Yeah, the amount of vegan places now that are open or have been opening is just incredible. And it's really kind of taking off here in Madrid. And I'm not even vegan or vegetarian, but sometimes I don't want to eat meat. 
you know you just feel like yeah. you want to try something different yeah. and to be able to have that choice the same as to be able to have the choice to eat so many different cuisines that you wouldn't normally try when you're home it's just really great to be able to go to all these countries within one place exactly madrid's a small city it isn't a big no, city it's not it's easy to get around now, you spoke about Spanish food and you love Spanish food. Do you have a particular dish that you love the most or is it too hard to choose? Depends on my mood. Okay. Uh, you know, the roasted peppers with ventresca and tomato, I love. Um, the huevos rotos yes. with jamón in winter, there's nothing <laughs> like it. This city and I think Spain in general is very big kind of carb intensive <laughs> And if you haven't, if you haven't visited Spain and your plans to come, get ready to be indulging in lots of potatoes. You'll find bread with every single meal and onion, onion, eggs as well. There's just so many different dishes, all great. Well, fish, the selection of fish here is awesome. You know, when I was growing up, there was very little fish I really knew about. Um, Madrid's opened my eyes completely in terms of fish and you know, not covered in sauce, just the fish on a plate with the head and the tail and you just debone it yourself. Sometimes simplicity with food is the key. You don't need to make it fancy all the time. Sometimes, of course, but sometimes you just want meat and potatoes. Uh, Chipirones, for example, Mm -hmm. I love as well. And, you know, pulpo and how they use paprika here on, on potatoes. Yeah, it just has opened my eyes completely to what's out there. Yeah. I just absolutely love Spanish food. And that's why I can see why, you know, friends of mine that are Spanish that have moved to Ireland or the UK, it's things like the, the jamón and the chorizo that they really miss. Manchego, everyone who moves abroad will always miss certain things about their home. But I mean, now for me, here is home. For me too, yeah. It's, it's got to that point where, I mean, I've only been here almost four years, not as many as you, but you do get very attached to this city. Before we end today, aside to the James Joyce, do you have any favorite places to eat out or do you even get the chance to eat out with such a busy pub? If I do go out, there's a place not far from me called the Taberna Mozarabe, Okay. which is at the beginning of Calle San Bernardino. The reason I love it is because Mohammed and his brother run it. They've had it since the late 90s. You know, I went in one evening to have something to eat and just sat at the bar and we started and and I just love going in there. You know, he's got the little tapas with things like quail's eggs and hummus and the tortilla, sardines, you know, all this kind of, and it's great. I just feel very comfortable there. And you see a lot of the same people the whole time and you're chatting to them. Um, One of my neighbours, Achel, goes in every evening for his glass of wine and you sort of chat with him if you see him. So that is my favourite place. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's finding those kind of places that you feel like you could go there every single day and you'll get great service because the people working there know who you are. They don't even have to ask you what you want anymore because they know your order. We have a place up here that we go to for breakfast and she knows exactly what we want. And it's crazy that she's able to remember people's orders like that when they get so many people, especially for breakfast. Yeah, it's a huge number of people coming in in a very short period of time. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up today, I want you to tell everyone where people can find you on social media and websites. Let us know where people can stay up to date with when you're going to open again, new menus, the app, all those kind of things. Our Facebook, I mean, if you Google James Joyce Pub Madrid or James Joyce Irish Pub Madrid, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. So you just look us up and you'll find us. We'll be keeping people posted when we are opening up again. And... uh, 
just looking forward to welcoming people back we won't have seen in months and months and months. So I just want to say thank you, Matt, for being on today. No, thank you so much, Valentina. Can't wait to come and have another roast dinner at the James Joyce because as much as mine is very good, I don't want to make any more. <laughs> <laughs> I want someone else to do it. So, yes, I'll be one of the first people there. <laughs> more than our pleasure, love. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye, Matt. I'll see you in person very soon. Exactly. Take care, love. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you did, please share this with your friends and family. In the meantime, if you're not already part of our communities on Facebook, feel free to join us at facebook.com forward slash eatoutglobal, where you'll find all the links to the six different groups we have in Spain to connect with other food lovers and share your favorite places to eat and drink in these cities. Speaking of which, I'm getting hungry, so I will see you next time. Thank you.